Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk Good evening and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, uh, Craig Wynn. We're here with uh, Dee and with uh, Kirk. How are you, uh, ladies and gentlemen? Just fine. well. Good. I'm uh, uh, under the impression that this uh, this program that uh, we are recording now, Dee, you're going to be able to play for tomorrow night since I have a conflict and that we'll try to yeah. provide what is a, a new show uh, for our listeners, but uh, without... Uh, us having to do it uh, this tomorrow evening. Uh, I noticed today that Israel and Hamas have agreed to a prolonged ceasefire, something in the range of 40 days for maybe 30 of the remaining civilian hostages and then more time after that as a, a ceasefire while they uh, hand out the bodies of IDF soldiers and uh, other men of IDF uh, uh, age, and, and it's uh, it's tragic. I I understand that uh, Gallant and uh, and Gantz uh, were willing to uh, trade at any cost, and that put uh, mm-hmm. Benjamin Netanyahu, who who I've never been a fan of, uh, certainly uh, was disappointed in many of the things that Netanyahu has done, but it. At this point, he right. seems to be the only uh, Israeli with cojones. Uh, and this is a time for a man with cojones. And uh, he seems to have them, and no one else does. And these other two have threatened that they will withdraw from the government if uh, if uh, a hostage deal was uh, negated. Mm. There, I mean, I understand Israel's uh, long-lived... Uh, and strong desire to free hostages at any cost. Uh, after all, they did one deal that was over a thousand convicted prisoners, terrorists, for one soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was absolutely insane. They, the damage they did to their country by doing that uh, is criminal. It was grossly immoral. 
And yet uh, Israel has no remorse for having been that foolish. But I'm sorry. Uh, one man's life, even though a dearly beloved individual, and he was an IDF soldier, and they all, is not worth even five convicted terrorists. You can't do that. Because when you do that, what you do is reward kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Yep. You make it more likely that you will have far more of your citizens kidnapped. By doing that, they brought on what we have just witnessed. Yes. It's grotesquely immoral. And yet Israel now is playing the same game. Yeah. It wasn't even appropriate for Israel to give up three convicted terrorists for one hostage and allow one day for every uh, Ten hostages. Why? Because we're dealing with convicted terrorists versus innocent people. That's not an exchange that a moral person makes. I'm going to share with you my my thoughts on what Israel should have done, because I'm really disappointed in uh, in a country that I I love and have offered my life to protect, and. I have a different view than the rest of the world who is clamoring for a Pakistanian state as if it would be a solution and rewarding terrorist acts. Uh, These probably the most grotesque terrorist acts in the past 2000 years. It's far more grotesque than what happened during the Holocaust. Just the numbers of Jews murdered during the Holocaust at six million was, of course, greatly in excess of 1,200. And it'll be more than that Mm -hmm. by the time this is over. Uh, in fact, with uh, Israeli soldiers having uh, sacrificed their lives, it's already up to 1,400, and it'll be, uh, by the time they get back dead bodies of hostages, 1,500. And I understand that's a much smaller number. But this was an invasion of Israel, not a cleaning of uh, the, uh, the anti-Semitic countries of Europe. And genocide there. Uh, the Germans did a lot of horrible things, but they weren't big on uh, on torture. Yes, Mengele did some odd experiments. I mean, horrible experiments. But the pervasiveness of torture that took place in Israel with the mutilation of women and children and the kidnapping of people and uh, decapitations and rapes, even sodomy with uh, with men. I mean, it was animalistic, depraved. Well, I can't call it animalistic. Animals aren't that depraved. Muslims are. So to reward that behavior by, by saying that the solution to this is to give these savages, inhuman monsters, their own state is insane. It's like saying we have clueless the fact that Oslo was a disaster, that abandoning Gaza was a disaster, that telling Israel that it needed to pull out of the Sinai after having won it in a war perpetrated against them was a disaster. They should not have pulled out of southern Lebanon. Everyone would have been better if they had stayed. And they can't pull out of what is called the West Bank or Gaza or the same exact thing is going to happen. So Israel is justified in precluding the savages that perpetrated 
10-7 from having access to food, water, and supplies. And you can say, oh, well, it's a humanitarian crisis. No, it isn't. There are no humans there. Mm. Really, there's just no humans there. Understood. Yeah. People that, that funded and planned 10-7 are there. They're not humans. They celebrated it. Yeah, they, they sponsored it. They raised the monsters. They encouraged the monsters. They rewarded the monsters. And you say, well, it's not fair to a four-year-old boy. Bull. What does a baby viper turn out to be when it's no longer a baby? Grown up it's viper. a viper. This is a, yes. a Muslim. Muslim boys turn into murderers. All the good ones do. It is incumbent upon a Muslim man, boy, to fight in Allah's cause, to, to terrorize Jews. That's what the Quran says. If you're ignorant of it, I'm sorry for you, but that's the message of the Quran. You can't be a good Muslim unless you kill for Allah. And so there are no one in that place that is innocent and feeding and equipping a kind of enemy that would perpetrate the kind of savagery that Israel experienced for nothing. They did nothing wrong in this case except stand down, except not be responsible. They weren't occupying Gaza, no Jews in Gaza. Hell, if you want the occupiers of Gaza, it was the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Terrorists. Yeah. Not only did 200 of them participate one way or another in these savage acts, almost all of them celebrated them. Yep. So this isn't a place to salvage. The smartest thing that the world could have done is to push them all into the Sinai and say, hey, Islam, you love them so much, you take care of them. They're yours. Get them out of here. They have shown that they're not equipped to live in a civil way next to civil people. And if Europe, you want them so bad, you take them. Oh, you tried that with uh, Syria and Iran and Libya. didn't turn out so good, did it? No. No, it didn't. So just as Israel raises the homes of of the families who encourage and and raise terrorists, the same thing is appropriate in Gaza. And how are you going to avoid it? The people who perpetrated this hide under the skirts of their women. They're a bunch of wussies, a bunch of cowards. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to rape. They know how to commit sodomy. They know how to to be as savage and as sadistic as their wannabe God. But they made the citizens of Gaza vulnerable because they camped out under hospitals and schools and under United Nations facilities. They built all of their godforsaken mole holes. They're living like rats throughout Gaza so that when they're destroyed... They take all the buildings above them down with them. 
that's their fault, not Israel's fault. Right. So it should be raised. Stop it. You know, Europe, America, Qatar, you funded all of this. This is where your money went. You should be ashamed. Rather than telling Israel to give them a state, you ought to say, we screwed up. What we did was immoral. We were wrong. We apologize. You're right to take them out. And we'll either rid the world of them, good riddance, or we'll take them as our responsibility. But until every captive is returned, it makes no sense for it to play nice in Gaza. They didn't start this. They're just trying to hold those who perpetrated it not only accountable, but to keep it from happening again. And you're not going to keep it from happening again if you trade hostages for long ceasefires, Israel. That's counterproductive. I mean, I'm sorry, but Gallant and Gantz, who is their favorite two politicians these days, are not very bright. And they don't have much in the way of character. And I can't speak for Netanyahu because I think it's despicable for him to have formulated a religious government and bribed them with all manner of indulgences. And I think that mm-hmm. stinks. Yes. And I'm embarrassed for him that his son is off living in Florida where the country is sacrificing to save its, its future, its very existence. But at least he's one man who isn't afraid to tell the truth, who's not afraid of the United States. And it wasn't all that long ago. In fact, it was the, the evening after 10-7, that very evening, that I said, I, I understand that Joe Biden at this point has had the best rhetoric in support of Israel, far better than any Israeli. But I'm here to tell you it's a Trojan horse. It's going to cost Israel everything because that's yeah. who he is. And what is America announcing now? That this war gave them the opportunity to reposition the two-state solution. And that's what they're going forward with, that their intent is not to go the way it was in the past to try to negotiate this opportunity and then to give the Bakistanians a state should they meet certain conditions. This time, no. That's not what the world is planning. This time the world is planning on imposing on Israel, without Israel's consent, a Bakistanian state. Yep. I say Bakistanian because there is no such thing as a Palestinian, and it's one of the gravest mistakes Israel's ever made to use that term. Mm-hmm. And so now that what they're going to do is impose it and then tell Israel, deal with it. Rewarding terrorists. I mean, this is far worse than what happened that caused World War II with Neville Chamberlain saying we achieved peace in our time by giving Adolf Hitler and the Nazis the high ground of Czechoslovakia, which wasn't his to give, by the way. Right. He was a British prime minister. He gave Hitler the high ground of Czechoslovakia. And even then, that made more sense because Hitler hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't gone off and killed anybody yet. He just had horrible rhetoric. Rhetoric very similar 
to the Quran, mind you. Not as bad. The Quran's far worse. But in this case, the Muslims have done it. They, they did it in 1948, trying to wipe out Israel. They did it again in 1967. They did it again in 1973. They did it again in two, not one, intifadas, trying to wipe Israel out. And then they did it again with the Lebanese war, with the Hezbollah war. And every time, of course, they lost, but at great cost to Israel. And the world's not coming to Israel's aid, but they're spending billions on Israel's enemy. So to reward people who have constantly terrorized Israel, whose playbook, whose Quran condemns Israel and tells Muslims to kill them, to wipe them out to the last, to eliminate every one of them, and to deal with a religion who, where Muhammad himself perpetrated genocide on the Jews. He killed every Jew within camel ride of wherever he was. Killed them all. Genocide. Stole their homes. Raped their wives. Enslaved their children. You're dealing with a religion that not only did that, but the Quran celebrates it. And you want to give these people a state or you're out of your ever-loving mind? I mean, there's something about progressives in the in the West and in the United States, that they have lost the capacity to be moral, to think yeah. rationally. So oh, true. we're going to do this and ensure Israel's security. Bull! It's impossible. You do this, Israel is gone. Only God could save it. You yeah. make Israel five miles wide at its midsection, which, by the way, prophecy said, that these Nimrods are going to do, condemning the United States in particular for its role in this plot. You do that and connect the two, Gaza and the West Bank, and what are you going to have? Israel completely vulnerable. And this time, there won't be 2,500 jihadists and 5,000 rockets fired. There'll be 250,000 rockets fired and a quarter of a million jihadists. Israel can't survive that. Israel could survive if, if Saudi Arabia or Iran decided to go to war with it. Its IDF and its Air Force are geared for that kind of war. But they do not have the means and the wherewithal to deal with thousands upon thousands of jihadists. It'd be exactly the same event, except a hundred times worse. And that is the future that progressives, the United States and the Biden administration, Kamala Harris, are <laughs> perpetrating on behalf of Israel. Right. You know what the consequence is for a nation that does that to Israel? It is doomed. Yo. The moment the United States does this, the United States is saying, we could either just declare a Palestinian state or 
we could say to the United Nations, we won't veto it and let them impose it. Do you know what the future is for America should they do that? Because there happens to be a God. His name is Yahweh. And he takes really yeah. unkindly to that sort of thing, which is why Isaiah, Yahshua 17 and 18 were written specifically to call, condemn America because Yahweh 2,700 years ago predicted we would do this. We, I hate I, to use that term, but I was born in America. I've subsequently yeah. left. But this is what the world is about to bring upon God's chosen people and the promised land. And so everything Israel has done will be for naught. Tell the Muslims you'll stop attacking Gaza when every Hamas jihadist and supporter, all tens of thousands of them at this point, Israel has claims that they've killed or kidnapped or, uh, or uh, uh, taken as prisoner about 50 to 55 percent of the uh, uh, Hamas fighters uh, in Gaza, which is probably less than the number of Hamas fighters and jihadists in the West Bank. Uh, but tell them same thing. You'll stop attacking Gaza the moment they move out of the populated areas into the open terrain in the far north of, uh, of Gaza Strip and fight like men. And then you can square off man against man and let the best man win. Allah says, oh, victory, victory to the Muslim. Well, see if Allah's right. Well, make it a, a test of the Islamic God. And, you know, <laughs> when they lose again, it's a win-win deal. They get an express uh, ticket to Allah's brothel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the same time, Israel has got to fight the public perception war that it is losing badly. The evening of 10-7, I went on the air and I wrote a, uh, a long article that I published on that day saying what I'm going to repeat now, that no matter the pain, the autopsy and crime scene photos and the description of every murdered and mutilated Jew must be shown. All of them along with a narrative of what occurred, showing photos of the jihadists who committed these crimes. Simultaneously, there needed to be a world-class photographic tribute online to all of those who lost their lives to these demons. Now, for some, this might be initially anguishing, but I'm telling you, it will be far more therapeutic. And here's the bottom line. For the Jews who said, no, it's unfair to the families to show the, the mutilated bodies of, uh, of their loved ones, I'm here to say that if you, because you didn't, they lost their lives for nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you had, their lives would have mattered. You need to show what happened to them. I can tell you for certain since Yahweh is very clear about how he's going to handle judgment upon his return with the Messiah Dode, David, on Yom Kippurim, October 2nd, 2033, giving us less than 10 years from now. He always works through people. He's going to work through people then. And the two people 
that are most likely going to be responsible for the judgment of animals and human beasts that perpetrated these kinds of events are the two witnesses. Elia is one of them, I am the other. Hundreds of prophecies regarding this. I'm not speaking out of line. I didn't ask for this job. It isn't a honor. It's a responsibility. And if somebody else wants the responsibility, uh, jump in. I've been doing this now for 22 years, 10 to 15 hours a day, six and seven days a week. And I have a legacy now of 33 books at yadayah.com for you to read, to understand who Yahweh is and what he's offering. And tens of thousands of audio programs like this. It isn't an honor, it's a responsibility. And Yahweh is very clear as to how that's going to happen. So if you're a little bit squeamish about, I don't want to show the truth of what was done to us, I want you to know, it's going to be shown. Those who were victimized by these mutants, these Muslims, deserve closure. They deserve to know, the mother and father who had to watch as Muslims mutilated their children, five and six-year-old children, cutting off their fingers and toes and gouging out their eyes and then burning them alive. The mothers and fathers who then had that done to them and then were peed on as the Muslims ate their Shabbat meal. Those victims need closure. They deserve closure, and they're going to get it. Yes, sir. We are not only going to make the souls of those Muslims that perpetrated these acts watch them, we're going to make certain that they endure at least sevenfold the torment mm-hmm. that they inflicted. It is the only way to be righteous, to be fair, to be just. And that's what Yahweh intends. So you might as well do it now and get some benefit from it. Because it's going to be done later. The jihadists who perpetrated and committed these crimes have to be held accountable, as well as the religion which inspired them. It is the only way for their stolen lives to matter and contribute to a better future for God's people. Now I have, and I will continue to devote and risk my life in support of Yehudim and Yisrael. And I don't say that callously or flippantly. I've had 10,000 death threats. And I'm about to unleash many more with the rewrite of Prophet of Doom, now as four volumes of Goddamn Religion. The first two volumes now are available at Amazon, royalty-free. They're 800 pages apiece. They're just half of, the, of this mission. They're free at yadayah.com. You go to yada, means to know, yah, the familial form of Yahweh's name, dot com, yadayah.com. You can read both volumes for free. They're at the far right of the bookshelf. They're the ones with the snake at the bottom. The first one is snake. The second one is satanic. There has never been anything even remotely close to this debilitating to Muhammad, Allah, the Quran, and Islam, ever. I mean, right. Not even remotely close. 
to the full-scale demolition of Islam that is already available in those two books. And for doing these shows on them, and for having written them, I will receive many, many thousands more death threats. Fortunately for me, Yahweh doesn't have a whole lot of other candidates willing to do such things. And so if you read the 91st Psalm, he has agreed to protect me and my family for having done so. So I have nothing to fear. But you need to know, Israel. So I have, and I will continue to do what I'm doing. Now it's time for you to step up. Now, sadly, there isn't the leadership in Israel to do what needs to be done for the nation to survive. And I say this because no one is willing to denounce the outright deception of this notion of a state of Palestine and the myth that there is a Palestinian people. Every time it's said, Israel's leadership, its media needs to sound out and say, no, there is no such thing. Until you can tell the truth about who these people are and where they're living, we can't have a discussion. They're living in Judea and Sumeria. They're the ones occupying our land. The last of the Philistines were killed first by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Egyptians and then the Greeks. But the last of them gone 2,300 years ago. And even then, they left no legacy. There's no architectural buildings that have been on earth that have any merit. There's no currency. There's no written language no coinage, no contribution to the world. Whatever was written about them was written in Hebrew. What is known about them is known through the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. They were invaders from Crete, according to Yahweh, and according to the DNA that has now been discovered in their graves. But the people masquerading as Palestinians today Their DNA is all over the board, but all from Muslim countries. The only reason they have any commonality commonality is because they're interbreeding. They're not smart enough to know that you ought not marry your cousin. And because of that, their IQ is dwindled to, well, the average IQ now in uh, Gaza is uh, 69. That's retarded, folks. That's Mm -hmm. what you're dealing with. And so Israel has to, as a nation, every politician, every media outlet, every leader, every spokesperson must state emphatically, there is no such thing as a Palestinian. There can be no Palestinian state. If these people want to show that they have some merit and that they have a cause and they have a place, then let them state who they are. Because the only thing that unites them is the death cult called Islam. But the very fact that Israel has parroted, has echoed the lie of the Palestinian and a Palestinian people 
a Palestinian state is going to be imposed on them. It's your fault, Israel. Yes, I understand the lie was conjured up by Hadrian long ago. And the British being ever so anti-Semitic were the ones who continued to fan the flames of idiocy. And I understand that it was Yasser Arafat, the ugly homosexual one. I don't have anything against homosexuals except in his case. And at Egyptian leadership with Soviet money that funded the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, became a terrorist group that began to capitalize and publicize this myth. But it's a myth. And Israel, if you can't expose it as a myth, then a fakistinian state is going to be imposed on you, and it will be the end of you. Your very existence, in this case, necessitates telling the truth. That is your reality. The two-state solution is the final solution. And it ought to be illegal for anyone to promote the lie that Hadrian imposed on Judea. Fail in this regard, and the myth will prevail, and Israel will be lost. Next. Muhammad's absurd lie regarding the fabled flight on the donk mule to the non-existent temple to meet with long-deceased Jews so that he could be an imam to conduct prostration prayers in the non-existent temple en route to the Islamic heaven by way of its hell must be explained and repudiated. It is the most corrupt, the most idiotic, the most absurd, most embarrassing in Islam because of what it is sandwiched between and the reason that this lie was perpetrated. And the reason that this is important is that those two scars on top of the Temple Mount, Yahweh's Temple Mount, the Temple Mount that Dode purchased and, and cleared and bought the materials to build the covenant home that Solomon built, that Temple Mount, the most important place to the Jewish people, and to Yahweh their God. That is scarred with trophies to stupidity and to cruelty and to subjugation. And you need to know, and I don't think there's one Jew or one Israeli among a thousand that knows this story, but it's exceedingly available for you to study. And if you don't know it, Go online, yadayah.com, read the two volumes that are posted there of Goddamn Religion. Or if you want the, the paperback or the hardback book, go to Amazon.com and Google Goddamn Religion, or my name, Craig, or even go to the website, yadayah.com, and there's a link to the books there, and you can buy them royalty-free. Read them so that you understand how exposing and condemning the Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque is so devastating to Islam and so fortuitous to God's people. 
It is sandwiched between the events of the idle indulgence, where Muhammad, after years of suffering the never-ending argument where everyone who knew him, everyone who knew him said, you're a lying, demon-possessed fraud. This Quran is BS. And after 400 iterations of this never-ending argument, this war of words, which the Quran chronicles all of it, with everyone who knew Muhammad saying, you're a piece of crap, pal. None of this is true. You made it all up, and what you didn't made up, you misappropriated from the Jews. And then twisted the stories to serve your interest. Idle indulgence was after Muhammad got weary of the people who knew him best, his own extended family and neighbors, telling him that he was a demon-possessed liar, which of course was true, but demon-possessed liars and psychopaths don't like the truth very much. He said, I'm going to slaughter you. That was his response. It wasn't, I'm going to out-debate you. It wasn't, I'm going to prove my credentials. No, I'm going to slaughter you all. So the Quraysh, his own tribe, which were comprised mostly of Jews, by the way, they were derivative of the Bene Hashem, probably familiar with that name, tribe. Uh, They were in Petra, not Mecca. Mecca didn't even exist at the time, just south of Jerusalem. They tried to appease him. They said, all right, all right, all right. We want to postpone this slaughter stuff. We'll have none of that. So what we're going to do is we're going to bribe you, Muhammad. We're going to offer you sex, power, and money. Well, you can take your pick of the women. We'll give you whoever you want. We're going to make you really rich, and we'll make you king for a year. We'll do all those things for you. Sex, power, and money, pal. All you've got to do is stop being so divisive and include our goddesses in with your god. His god, by the way, was not Allah. It was the god of the Arab converts to Judaism in what is now Yemen. So if you'll add Alat, Aluza, and Manat to your list of gods, including our favorite gods, goddesses in the case of this case, and then we'll accept your Rahman. We'll do that for a year and see how it works out. Muhammad accepted. And what we find in the Quran is the announcement that Alat, Amanat, and Aluza are goddesses. Well, he had three or four strong arms that were providing protection for his criminal enterprise at the time. And they said, wait a minute, you didn't cut us in on it. This is not a very fair deal for us. And you said we were a monotheistic religion, and now you've got four gods. Oh, by the way, the god before his name became Arachman was named Rabbi. Familiar with that term? Yeah, the rabbis in Yathrib hoodwinked Muhammad and told him that rabbi was the the proper word for Lord. So Muhammad has these names of the three goddesses included what's supposed to be a monotheistic religion so he could have sex, power, and money. And he reneged on the deal after accepting it. Obviously accepted. It's in the Quran that he accepted it. And so when he reneged on the deal... He came out of the closet. He said, all of Allah's messengers speak on behalf of Satan. Satan was the one that inspired that tribute to pagan goddesses. That's also in the Quran. (laughs) Written right in the Quran. It's called the Satanic Verses. 
So Talk about this is what flip. led up to this donk mule ride to an undisclosed place, which we assume is Jerusalem. Muhammad was mocked silly at that point. He admitted, okay, you're right, you're right, right. I'm demon-possessed. I'm speaking on behalf of Satan. I agreed to your, your deal. I made my monotheistic religion pagan. So what did he do? He said, I've got to get out of town. So he imagined that he was the beneficiary of a winged donk mule, a donkey mule combination, that along with Allah and his pet Gabriel, who, by the way, the real Gabriel happens to be Dode. Gabriel means uh, God's most competent and courageous man, Gibor and uh, El. But anyway, uh, the Christians spoke of, you know, uh, of Gabriel enlightening their mythical uh, Mary. So Muhammad uh, uh, wasn't very smart and Allah wasn't very creative. So they just stole the, uh, the name. But anyway, uh, the claim is that Gabriel and Allah accompanied the donk mule on the flight from uh, Petra uh, to uh, an undisclosed place. They weren't good with place names, but uh, they claim it was Jerusalem. But they went to the furthest mosque, even though there was no mosque there. There wasn't even a temple there. And that while they was there, the first thing that they do is they have this, uh, this prostration prayer with a whole bunch of deceased Jews of yesteryear. And then he gets greeted by a bunch of Jews all the way up from hell to the seventh heaven, and what is the most laughable bit of narrative you've ever read in your life, as it's recorded in the Hadith. Finally gets to Allah, and all Allah has to say to him is, I want to be mooned. Actually, I want Yahweh mooned 50 times a day. I want your nose in the dirt down to me while you moon Yahweh. Allahu Akbar. That's the story. And when he came back, it was so egregious, so laughable when Muhammad claimed that he had flown in the middle of the night on a donk mule to Jerusalem to have all these marvelous experiences that by the end of the day, there were only four Muslims left after 12 years and some 90 recitals of the Quran. Three or four, that was it, according to the Hadith. So you think that it, you could find something more embarrassing? That Alaska Mosque exists in the Dome of the Rock based upon that stupidity, that demonic, satanic story. So if Israel, if you exposed it, if your politicians talked about it, if your media wrote about it, then you would be in a position to do what should have been done the evening of October 7th of last year. And this is what I would have done. I would have gone on national television and I would have announced the following. Muslims from Gaza infiltrated Israel, mutilated women and children, raped women, sodomized men, burned them alive, and kidnapped them destroyed homes and property on a scale that Israel has never witnessed. They took 250 hostages back to Gaza. So I'm here to say that based upon what they have done, this is what I am proposing. And I'm not going to negotiate here. I'm not going to listen to the world scream. This is your reality. You have 
24 hours to deliver 500 heads. The 250 Jews that you kidnapped, their heads attached to their shoulders. And 250 of the most high-ranking Hamas leaders that orchestrated and perpetrated this heinous crime. I don't care if their heads are attached or not. 500 heads. They are here in Israel within 24 hours, or the Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque are gone. I will raise them to the ground. That's your option. you got 24 hours to decide. I'm not negotiating with you. I don't care if 100,000 Muslims storm Alaska Mosque. Within 24 hours, if I don't have 500 heads, 250 still attached, 500, 250, any way you want them, they're gone. Should have happened years ago. In fact, should have happened in 1948 when we came back to Israel. But I'm telling you for certain, it will happen. So if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. And oh, by the way, there's a plan too. Should you be stupid enough to think that for 500 heads, 250 still on their shoulders, that I won't do this, then I want you to know what will happen the next day. Because the next day, I'm going to go through the Muslim-occupied areas of Judea and Samaria and the Muslim-occupied areas of Gaza that perpetrated this crime with tanks and bulldozers and with all manner of aircraft. And block by block, I'm going to destroy it all. And I'm going to push whoever wants to live into the Sinai and into Jordan and into Syria. From the river to the sea, baby, Israel will be free. <laughs> I love it. I like the way you That's what I would have done. Yeah. And I wouldn't have cared who said anything else because that is the only moral, sane, appropriate response to this mess. And you wouldn't have sacrificed the other IDF members. Every face I have looked at, every story I have read that went into Gaza to try to secure a future that Israel's leadership has now botched. That would have worked. It would still work. Although I'm sure that the lives of, of even the hostages who remain, who haven't been killed, are traumatized forever. It waited too late, but it can still be done. The last thing that needs to be done, actually there's two more things that need to be done. The next is that goddamn religion should be read by every Israeli. Consider it my gift to God's people. One inspired by the God of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. Know the truth, tell the truth, start responding rationally to the threat of the most lethal and anti-Semitic pandemic to ever infect humankind. You think Nazism was bad? There were what? 80 million of them? Mm-hmm. Or less? There are almost 2 billion Muslims 
and their Quran is vastly worse than Mein Kampf. Their history against Jews is worse than the Nazis. You say, oh, that's not realistic. We can't declare war on, on two billion people. Well, they declared war on you 1,400 years ago. So until Israel recognizes their enemy isn't the Fakistinians, it's not Hamas, it's not Hezbollah, it's not Iran, it's not Saudi Arabia, it's not Al-Qaeda, it's not ISIS. It's the one thing all of those things have in common. Islam. If you don't like it because you're a progressive and you're, you prefer platitudes to evidence, then either wise up or shut up. Because it's the truth. And now the truth isn't a a fringe thing that, you know, might be convenient. No, the truth is your survival. Every one of these things you have to do, Israel, to survive. And Jews who live outside of Israel, which is close to half the Jewish population worldwide, it's open hunting season on you because you have all responded inappropriately. Now, I'm here to tell you, Yahweh is going to eliminate Islam in 10 years. There won't be a single Muslim left. There won't be any Christians left either, by the way. And there'll be no Islamic edifices of any kind, no Christian edifices either. But, by the way, while he's at it, Yahweh is universally anti-religious. He's going to eliminate Judaism and all traces of Judaism and its Talmud and its Zohar and its rabbis and its black morning suits, and its synagogues, all of it. In fact, Yahweh's view is that the only religion that's been more caustic to his people than Christianity and Islam is Judaism. And that's the next point. If, if you are a secular Jew, you need to understand that the greatest menace to your people is not the external threat of Islam, but the internal threat of Judaism where rabbis have tried to equate religion with the term Jew. Jew is an ethnicity. Judaism is a religion. They are not the same. And Judaism is wrong about everything, from Yahweh's name to the Torah, to the Moed Mikre, to the covenant. Everything that's important to God, the rabbis are wrong. And it was the rabbis who put you in this pickle with Islam because Islam wouldn't exist if they didn't sell rabbis 1,400 years ago, try to make a buck by selling Talmud stories to Muhammad, which he corrupted to make his Quran appear credible. That's why it's got all of the characters of the Torah in it is because this is what rabbis did. And then when rabbis mocked Muhammad for having taken those stories, claimed that Allah gave them to him and then twisted them such that they weren't credible anymore. Muhammad knew that if he did not silence them, that his whole fraud was up. So he killed them. And he didn't just kill them. He got his God to dehumanize them so that Islam would forever hunt Jews as prey. The rabbis did this to you. The rabbis are also responsible for the emergence of Christianity. Christianity. Because there was a Messiah. There was a Son of God. 
there was a Passover lamb. And rather than declaring who he was to prevent Christianity from taking root and growing and announcing that Dode, David, was the Passover lamb. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And you're just ripping him off to create this mythical feature creature in Jesus. If they'd done that, there would have been no Christianity. But instead of doing that, they perpetrated a false messiah of their own in Bar Kokhba. Rabbis have been the enemy of Jews for a very long time. Absolutely. And so these are the things that must happen for Israel to survive. And if you think, well, Israel will never agree to all of that, well, you're probably right. Then if you're listening to this program, you should. Disavow Judaism. Disavow the politics of your country that stood idly by while... 10-7 was occurring, that did nothing to protect you, and that's done everything wrong since that time. And once you have walked away from the influence of politics and patriotism and Judaism, come to appreciate who Yahweh is. Recognize him by name. Come to understand the five conditions of the covenant. Accept them. Attend the seven Moed Mikre as Yahweh prescribed them and receive the benefits of them. Read the books at yadayah.com. 33 of them on the shelf. They're yours for free. I wrote them for you. Well, I had a lot of help. Yahweh went out of his way to inspire the results. And if you should question that, then I encourage you to read the Why You, Why Me chapter, I think it's the third chapter of volume one of An Introduction to God. So that's the message I have for Israel and for Jews. Um, It is the truth. Uh, As I say, the truth is no longer a luxury for uh, Jews. It is a necessity. You have 10 years to get your act together, and most of you won't have nearly that much time, because the world's going to get Aggressively worse and in a real hurry. And if the United States undermines Israel with the establishment of a Fakistanian state, and if the world continues through the United Nations and the European Union and Islamic countries to blame Israel for defending itself and to reward the terrorists who perpetrated these heinous acts, then I'm here to tell you, you don't have a long time. The world's going to explode. Um, it's doing almost, world leaders are doing almost everything that can be imagined wrong. This time last week, we were uh, discussing conspiracy. And I want to return to it uh, at this point uh, with the recognition um, that there are conspiracies that are very seldom thought of as conspiracies. You know, the, the most um, evil conspiracy and the most um, threatening to Jews has long been the uh, Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which we'll talk about here in a moment, which is a complete fraud. And as a result, 
Jews are blamed for all manner of, of horrible things they're, they're perpetrating and scheming against Gentiles when in fact it's just the opposite, that particularly Muslim and Christian Gentiles have been scheming against Jews and killing Jews and by the millions, uh, enslaving them, subjugating them. Uh, Gentiles have done everything that they accuse, wrongly accuse Jews of doing. Uh, you know, for example, Jews even kill or blame uh, Gentiles, Christians in particular, blame the Jews for killing their imaginary God. Um, and said God was not a God, uh, and uh, and uh, he, by fulfilling Passover, was actually told David uh, that he did it. Uh, crucifixion was performed by the Romans, which became the Roman Catholic Church. It's just the nature of the religious. They always blame others for what they themselves have done. It's, it's endemic in, uh, in Islam. But the greatest conspiracies, therefore, are, uh, are not the ones that we normally think of. It's not reptilian overlords, which has some merit today, considering that Allah is a snake. He's the snake that slithered out of the garden and into the desert. So he is reptilian. That's why the Quran is so badly written, is that he was a karub on the walls, so he was brilliant. Uh, when he uh, twisted Yahweh's instructions to fool Chawa and, uh, and Adam, uh, he, he was absolutely clever. Um, he's no longer clever. The Quran's the dumbest book ever written. And, and so the reason for that is that Yahweh degraded Hasatan from Karub to snake. And his brain's about that size. So as the inspiration for the Quran, it's dim-witted. It's what you would expect of a reptile. So whole lots of, of conspiracies, but the most prevalent are actually Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. They're all conspiracies. In the case of Islam, it's a death cult. And modern research, I think I hinted at this a week ago, into the rapid growth of conspiracies, the fastest growing religious belief now in the world are conspiracies. And that they have found that this um, reason, the common denominator, if you will, between almost all conspiratorialists is their personal dissatisfaction with their own life. The sense of living empty, unfulfilling, impoverished lives. It's why Islam happened. I mean, mm -hmm. Muhammad, according to the Quran, 99 out of over 100 people that listened to him mocked him and rejected him. So the one out of 100 was either miserable in their lives and a malcontent and, and, and fell for the conspiracy as other malcontents today fall for various conspiracies, or they were just the dumbest of the dumb. <laughs> Those are basically your options, and it's still true today. Conspiratorialists are the most dissatisfied and impoverished people on earth. Now, there are conspiratorialists that have learned to monitorize lies. Now, the fellow down in Austin, Texas, who has just been 
had declared bankruptcy for uh, his uh, his lies about um, Sandy Hook and the perpetration of of, uh, of mass murder, uh, where he claimed it was a fake and a government plot. Well, he certainly lost in uh, in court, uh, but he found out a way to monetize stupidity. So he has quite the uh, the following. But God revealed some 3,000 years ago that conspiracy was a, a horrible thing and that it was condemning to his people and it was uh, it, it decredited, discredited what he had to say. So, for example, if I have all of these, you know, 33 books filled with translations of Yahweh's testimony uh, and insights derived from them, with all of that wonderful truth and, and, and commentary and, and, and testimony from Yahweh, if I promoted a, a series of conspiracies, chemtrails, uh, vaccines being a plot, um, uh, flat earth, uh, whatever it may be, um, false flag. If I did that, I would discredit everything else. That's why God says don't. Don't do it. Don't associate any conspiracy with my testimony. I don't want to be smeared with that stupidity. So God is, is vehemently opposed to uh, conspiracies. I mean, and everyone is just dunderhead it, that 9-11 was perpetrated by the government because they wanted to have a war with uh, Muslims as opposed to, well... The evidence all points to Muslims perpetrated because, well, they're Muslims. Yeah. Or that uh, the condensation trails behind jet engines at altitude are chemtrails because the government figured out a way they could put chemicals in the the fuel that went (laughs) heated to 875 degrees uh, Celsius at 30,000 feet, that that would be a good way to impose mind control. God, people are so yeah. stupid. Yeah. And God just says, don't, don't, just don't go there. So it's, you know, it's one thing to look into the writings of people like Adam Weishaupt, who uh, created the Order of the Illuminati, along with Freemasonry, and and see how his plan to influence uh, uh, the elitist and to rival uh, for power the Roman Catholic Church and how that spread through the Jacobins in, uh, in France and led to the French Revolution. It's interesting to see how that happened and then how it affected leaders in America, particularly uh, George Washington, to a lesser extent, um, Sam Adams and, uh, and Thomas Jefferson, uh, all very familiar with uh, Adam Weishaupt's uh, writings. Uh, and, and included many of his symbols into the uh, American experience. But to claim that a small clandestine group, by whatever name, pulls the levers which control the world and have done so continuously for the past 250 years under the auspices of the Rothschilds or Illuminati or Freemasonry or Roundtable or Skull and Bones or Protocols of the Elders of Zion or... <clears throat> Trilateral Commission or Council on Foreign Relations or uh, 
the Bilderbergers or Bohemian Grove or the New World Order. I don't know if I've missed any. I mean, that's just ludicrous. No. It's just stupid. Uh, don't go there. The fact is, the mythology that's responsible for almost all of this is Christianity and the Christian fascination with the arrival of this person they think is the Antichrist. It's not going to be the Antichrist. He's going to love Christ. Christ is a conspiracy. And they, you know, little do they know that, uh, that it's all uh, a, uh, a bunch of, uh, of lies. So let's consider the underlying text of, for this particular fascination. It's, it's called the uh, Protocols of the Elders of Zion, second only to Paul's epistles and the book of Acts. It is the most notorious, widely distributed, universally destructive, anti-Semitic, ferritorial text of, well, well, since the Quran. Yeah. It was pure babble, plagiarized by Christians in Russia in 1903, out of two very well-known books at the time, neither of which even mentioned Jews. It was initially serialized in uh, the Russian newspaper Zanama, uh, which is the banner, then published two years later in an appendix to the great in the small, the coming of the Antichrist and the rule of Satan on earth by the Christian author, Sergei Nellis. Its purpose was to spread Christian mass hatred of Jews by claiming that it provided actual documentation of the minutes taken to memorialize 24 meetings between Jewish rabbis recording their secret plans as a race to rule the world by manipulating the economy, controlling the media, subverting the morals of Gentile, and fostering religious conflict. This commingling and twisting of books, detailing European political and religious intrigue, was originally thought to be nothing more than a parody, conceived by changing the, world's, the words to a popular song, such as uh, that of the lyrics degraded Jews during the time of the vicious anti-Jewish pogroms in the Russian Empire from the countless Jews who were exiled. And, and in fact, many of the same anti-Semites responsible for the mass murder and abuse of Jews during the pogroms played a leading role in the hoax of the protocols just to justify their actions. For this reason, uh, Pavel Khrushchevin, the book's uh, initial publisher, deliberately obscured the origins of the text that Sergei Nilis had composed to make the lies appear credible. But nonetheless, he left a wide trail of contradictions, each sufficient to properly assess and credit blame. Just prior to this time, following the partitions of Poland, the Russian Empire inherited the world's largest Jewish population. In the shuttles in which they lived, these Jewish refugees stayed to themselves. They governed themselves and they took care of themselves. And while they willingly paid their taxes, acknowledged the authority of the Tsar and served 
and the Imperial Russian Army, they had the misfortune of arriving in Russia when the ruling class became more hardline in its reactionary politics, promoting the ideas of Christian orthodoxy, czarist uh, autocracy, and, and Russian nationality and nationalism. The Jews who attempted to assimilate were regarded with suspicion as infiltrators trying to take over the society, while Jews who remained true to their culture were resented as undesirable aliens. And it was out of this xenophobic, anti-immigrant, political and religious milieu that the protocols were written. They were counterfeited, if you will, by those who falsely projected their flawed character on those who they despised. Those who actually engaged in racial genocide justified their bloodlust by blaming those they were killing of secretly wanting to be just like them. The story of Christianity's birth and of Islam's. Mm -hmm. It's stunning in a way. The Jewish people would be gassed and incinerated by the millions in concentration camps throughout Poland and Germany. The impoverished were mistreated by those they sought to, who actually sought to rule the world politically and religiously, such that their race, Russian or German, Arab or Japanese, Italian or Spanish, would reign supreme. And therein lies the revolting heart of all conspiracies. Those who promote them are guilty of the crimes they falsely project on others, and particularly mm -hmm. on Jews. Now, that's not to say that Jews were entirely innocent. One Jew in particular went out of his way to harm his people, serving as a modern-day Paul. The idea of an international Jewish conspiracy for world domination was actually minted 60 years early by Jacob Rothman, a Russian Jew from Minsk. He claimed to have had a falling out with the agents of a local uh, Ka'al, the autonomous government of the Ashkenazi Jews, even though it had been abolished 20 years earlier. After coveting, or converting, I should say, to the Russian Orthodox Church, he authored Fulmerics uh, against the Talmud and uh, extinct uh, Ka'als, falsely claiming that they not only continued to exist, but that they met in secret to undermine Christian entrepreneurs such that they could confiscate their property and seize their power. He would write, The Local and Universally Jewish Brotherhood and the, the Book of the Ka'al, while mostly a projection of his new Russian orthodoxy, Rothman's fantasful conspiracy of international Jewish shadow governments was used to justify the pogroms. Self-loathing Jews are prominent. They have always existed. Well, one of the worst, Mohammed. Another one of the worst, Paul. Mm -hmm. During uh, this same period, a British subject of Dutch-Jewish ethnicity wrote Conquest of the World by the Jews. This troubled soul served in the Ottoman army and converted, of course, to Islam. As with both of these men, as was the case with the Russians and Prussians behind 
the protocols, it was all about scapegoating, about blaming someone other than themselves for our problems. Russians blame the Jews for losing the Russo-Japanese War and the 1905 revolution, just as Germans blame Jews for losing the First World War, even though Jews had nothing to do with either defeat. And then after the Tsarists lost in 1917 in the Russian Revolution, Jews were once again scapegoated with the protocols, becoming a political weapon wielded by conservatives the world over against liberals. The Bolshevik communists were falsely depicted as being overwhelmingly Jewish, executing the plan presented in the fake protocols. Paradoxically, the early Russian edition of the protocols specifically acknowledged that they did not come from a Zionist organization, the absolute opposite of what was later claimed of it. The later editions would claim that the document, which was never produced, by the way, was stolen from a secret Jewish organization. And yet, a living contradiction, it was written in the first person plural as if the plotters were telling their own story in their own words. But even then, the protocols are awash in generalities and platitudes, completely devoid of specifics, lacking anything a rational person would use to fact-check the story. That's very much like the Book of Mormon. Why don't you show us that original text? Uh, well, I lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh, the Quran? Yeah, that book. Well, that book wouldn't exist for uh, four generations after Muhammad. He couldn't read it, you know. Yeah. He couldn't read it anyway. He was illiterate. Following the Russian Revolution of 1917, this purported Jewish conspiracy to dominate the world was brought to the West by anti-Bolshevik, anti-communist Christians and circulated across Europe, the United States, South America, Japan, and of course in the Islamic Middle East. It was immediately popularized in America by the automaker and anti-Semite Henry Ford, who in 1920 published a series of articles on the protocols in his Detroit newspaper, the Dearborn Independent, and then paid for, printed, and distributed half a million copies Man. under the title, The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. Not surprisingly, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels, who claimed that the protocols were factual, were lavish in their praise afford. But the paradigm of capitalism did not work alone. It had help slandering Jews in the early form of Father uh, Coughlin. Co Father Coughlin was a Roman Catholic priest who was the first to use radio to reach a mass audience. You'd call him a televangelist in today's world. He routinely entertained his 30 million listeners with his pro-fascist and anti-Semitic rhetoric and called for the nationalization of all major industries and the end of democracy and capitalism. He also called for the abolition of political parties and of elections. He went from being one of FDR's most outspoken advocates telling a congressional hearing 
God is directing President Roosevelt to be one of his biggest critics all over monetary policy, advocating the nationalization of the Federal Reserve, the Roman Catholics, political advocacy organizations, social justice, published weekly installments of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. A history later, a year later, Henry Ford's publication in, uh, in America in 1921, the London Times, presented conclusive proof that the Protocols was nothing more than a clumsy plagiarism. 1921, London Times, mm-hmm. conclusive evidence that it was nothing but plagiarism. Alan Dulles, who was in Constantinople developing relationships with the post-Ottoman Turks, actually reported the source from which it was plagiarized to the Times and would later, without success, lobby the U.S. State Department to publicly denounce the forgery. They confirmed that it had been copied indirectly from a French political satire that never even mentioned Jews, Dialogue in Hell between Machiavelli and Mastrenu, written by Maurice de Jolly, a French attorney in 1868. That in itself is interesting because Machiavelli wrote The Prince to increase mm-hmm. the political and religious authority of the Roman Catholic Church and to concentrate absolute power under a single individual, the Pope. He encouraged popes to be ruthless tyrants, totally merciless, because the fear of terrorist tactics would cause people to submit to their authority, and according to Machiavelli, the end justifies the means used to achieve it. This, by the way, is the essence of the Quran. Yeah. The sole intent of the prince was to establish Roman Catholic domination over the earth, not just Jewish influence. Further, Moschino's position was just the opposite. He was a French philosopher who popularized the idea of separating governmental authority so that it was not concentrated under a single individual. The United States Constitution was originally influenced by this philosophy as it gave rise to shared powers of the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government. Therefore, the fictional, religious, and political satire from which the Protocols of the Elders of Zion was plagiarized was actually written in protest of the regime of Louis Napoleon Bonaparte, who ruled France from 1948 through 1870. The ghost of Montesquieu made the case for freedom, while the ghost of Machiavelli opined for despotism. The spirit of Machiavelli would claim that he wouldn't even need 20 years to utterly transform the most indomitable European character and render it docile under tyranny as the debased people of Asia addressing the Islamic kingdoms in the Middle East. But Montesquieu insisted that the people's desire for freedom was invincible. Over the course of 25 dialogues, step by step, Machiavelli, who was in Jolie's plot covertly, represented 
Napoleon, explains how he would replace freedom with despotism in any given European country. He states, absolute power will no longer be an accident of fortune, but become a need of the modern society. Recognizing that Machiavelli would prevail on behalf of a unified and draconian church and state. With the Roman Catholic Church dominating the world, the secular Montesquieu laments in the end, eternal God, what have you permitted? Jolie, for having exposed the menace of the church and state, was arrested and jailed for 18 months in the uh, Pelague prison in Paris, and his book was banned. This is the background of what became the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. The Protocols 1 through 19 closely follow the order of Maurice Jolie's Dialogues 1 through 17 with uh, identifiable phrases from Jolie peppering the anti-Semitic farce. And as an interesting aside, Jolie, a monarchist and uh, legitimist, a proponent of royalty and dynastic succession, actually plagiarized much of his dialogue in hell from a novel by Eugene Sue, Les Mysteries du People. The, <laughs> what you have here is cheaters copying cheaters, plagiarizers <laughs> yeah. plagiarizing one another. Yeah. Again, very similar to the Quran. The initial transformations into an anti-Semitic text was accomplished in the Prussian novel by Hermann uh, Goethe called uh, Byritz to uh, Sedan, which was published in 1868. Goethe, an anti-Semitic postal worker, made him qualified for the task, was an agent provocateur from the Prussian secret police. In 1849, he had been convicted of forging letters, which were used as evidence to frame Democratic leaders. Losing his job at the post office, Goethe began working as a conservative columnist uh, for Neuen Prebyschen Zitung, a newspaper among notables such as uh, Otto von Bismarck, soon uh, uh, after traveling to Turkey, and before the collapse of the Ottoman Empire would contribute. His leisure time was consumed writing romance novels with a political bent under the pen name Sir John Ridcliffe, typically attacking either Jews or the British government. In 1868, Gotche plagiarized and bastardized dialogue in hell between Machiavelli and Mochescu by replacing Machiavelli's Roman Catholic conspiratorial despot debating a secular libertarian with fictional elders of Zion. Beyond substituting name, he called the capital at the Jewish cemetery in Prague, wherein the secret rabbinical cabal, the Council of Representatives of the Twelve Tribes of Israel, unaware of the fact that all but two of the Twelve Tribes remained lost after the Assyrian conquest of the Northern Kingdom, conducted one of their centennial meetings at midnight, of course, in the cemetery in which the devil was said to have played a starring role, which, by the way, he does in the Quran. 
This work of complete fiction alleges to report on the progress of long-term rabbinical conspiracy to establish world domination. In addition to the Machiavellian schemes, Gauthier added uh, the acquisition of property, transforming craftsmen into industrial workers, the infiltration into high public office, and control of the press, such that, according to Chairman Livet, fellow rabbis would become kings of the world in 100 years. Fictional rabbinical speech was frequently quoted as if it were authentic episodes and cited as proof of the authenticity of the protocols of the elders of Zion. But even here, like Satan himself, Gottschalk borrowed heavily from a scene in the French portrayal of the life of Count Alessandro Calistro, whose alias Gustapi Balesimo became the title of the book by Alexandre Dumas. This rather infamous Italian who died in 1795 was an occultist, a psychic, an alchemist, a healer, and a magician. Count Alessandro Calissimo Calistro, a.k.a. Gustapi Balasimo, became one of several central players in the days leading to the French Revolution as a result of his role in the plot of the affair of the diamond necklace, which is why the book about his life was written, and from which the most famous chapter of the Protocols was pilfered. That's a whole story, and we don't need to go into the story at this point. But actually, if you read um, Coming Home, uh, Volume 1, they tell you the whole story of the the account of the diamond necklace and how Queen Maria Antoinette was framed by it and how ultimately uh, she was uh, disgraced and mocked. And the uh, the uh, royalty was uh, was brought down so that the uh, elums uh, and uh, who had been meeting uh, at the uh, uh, at the Jacobin Hall would rise to power, and they were the same men that later would inspire much of the uh, American Revolution. So it's an interesting tale of how all of these things came to be and how they're all woven together. But uh, I think you're getting the drift. The protocols of the elders of Zion is a very poor job of plagiarizing and a whole series of lies to defame Jews, uh, very similar to the Quran. And that this has been going on for a long time. And every one of these conspiracies is so easily refuted, so readily shown to be a fraud, uh, like the Quran. Uh, it's just a matter of how deeply you want to bury it. I mean, I wrote four volumes proving that the conspiracy of the Christian New Testament was a fraud uh, under questioning Paul. You know, read them. No one has ever read those four volumes who has remained a Christian. It is absolutely devastating for the religion. And the same thing is true uh, with uh, goddamn religion. I can tell you right now, if you just read the first volume, 800 pages, you will be an enemy of Islam, I, I can assure you. And if you read through the second uh, 800 pages, uh, ever the, the more so. And I've just finished about 100 pages of volume three with, a, uh, with an introduction, a narrative on how Islam came to being that uh, just rips its heart and soul out. Um, 
these things are easily proven and they can be shown to be frauds a hundred thousand times over. We just, as a people, are, are too ignorant, too irrational, too um, apathetic, um, too immoral now yes. to know yes. when it's appropriate to take a stand. You know, it isn't immoral. It isn't moral to condone, to support, to tolerate, to try to run cover for a religion that exists to declare war on all humankind. And mm-hmm. Islam is a death cult where its pledge, its covenant, is to annihilate everyone. Yeah. And so everyone in Islam is either a slave to Allah or dead. That's the purpose of the book. It's the purpose of the religion. So supporting it, being tolerant of it, accepting it, as progressives are doing worldwide, it isn't moral. It isn't enlightened. It's grossly immoral. It's insane. What you're doing is you're causing innocent people to become victims of this criminal enterprise by such stupidity. Truth is a powerful weapon, and where I've told Israel this evening and Jews that they need to understand the truth about the Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque, about the Fakistinians and a place called Fakistan, about the fact that their real enemy is Islam, not Hamas or Hezbollah or or Fatah. But the single most important thing that Jews need to learn the truth about is Yahweh. His Torah, not the Talmud. His seven Moed Mikre, not Jewish high holy days. God's anti-religious. He doesn't want you to pray to him. He doesn't want you to worship him. He doesn't want you yibber-yabbering to him. He doesn't want you to bow down to him. He wants you to listen to him. He has a lot to say. And it's all enlightening and emancipating and enriching and empowering. He's wonderfully approachable and likable and funny and witty and supportive, kind. I've been working with him now for Oh, soon be 23 years, every day. Most wonderful experience of my life. You just can't imagine a better friend, a better confidant, a more loyal and compassionate supporter, or someone whose values are better, or who can make life genuinely rewarding. I mean, the, the antidote for conspiracy is to live a life worth living. The best way to do that is to come to know Yahweh and work cool. with him, serve with him, yeah. become part of his family. Well, Dee, um, it is now on you to, uh, to do as you say you should do. Hopefully make this <laughs> right. uh, program... Uh, shine uh, tomorrow night um, 
Uh, as you know, from uh, uh, I was going to come in and do the show live uh, in the middle of this gathering that I've got uh, about 80 people that are coming to our home uh, tomorrow night. Um, and we can't and do that to your wife. And so so oh, no. I was going to sneak out at 7.30. It starts at 5.30. In two hours, so, so what? They're going to linger here for another hour or so more. I was going to sneak out, and I was going to come into my office, and I was going to put on the headset and uh, do this program. And Leia says, no, no, you're no, not. <laughs> you're not going to leave me with, uh, with uh, 80 people here. You don't do that to your introvert. So she calls D and said, D, help. And so now D, it's on. It's on you to save my my wife from okay. from a meltdown. Thank you, D. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, D. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Kirk, for uh, being, uh, taking time out of your uh, your day to to do this this evening. And thank you, D, for doing the same thing. Uh, I'm, uh, Happy we're able to do this, and uh, it was a nice uh, blend. Uh, when we return to uh, Coming Home, Volume 1, I think we're going to be done with the conspiracy. I've said all I really need to okay. say. And I, I, I'm gonna, yeah. we're going to uh, turn to the, uh, the second uh, Mismore and continue through the uh, Mismore. It's a much more uplifting mm-hmm. tale. But if there was ever a time when conspiracy must be told, this is the time. Yes, sir. I agree. So thank you for listening. Uh, for those who are listening to the show uh, tomorrow evening, uh, have a wonderful uh, Shabbat, and good night, everyone. May Yah bless. Okay. Thank you, Shabbat Dave. Thank you. Yes, sir. Night, guys. Night, guys. Night.